0: You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham
1: Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined once again by John Townley. Uh, John, if we were playing in midfield together or at centre-half together, people say we're forming quite the partnership. It's you and me on all these podcasts at the moment. How are you, mate?
2: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. A bit of a rush coming back from the press conference, had a puncture tyre. Um, mm. But we're okay. It's only 20 past four. We're all good.
1: How, how did that go? Was that like a... Yeah, did no damage stress. or anything, never crash or anything like that.
2: No, it's a stress for my dad. He's going away with my with my mum for a few days, so they've gone straight to the uh, quick fit, I think. Um Ooh. no, no, we were fine. It was just a little a little puncture and then like yeah, like the warning signals and then it's all stress, and then I'm at the back of the car trying to get some quotes out and whatever, but yeah. <sighs> we're, we're all fine.
1: Well we're here now a couple of minutes later than we planned to start so you've done well to get back to be fair so congratulations to you for that and also wish your dog a happy birthday you told me before we came on here it's your dog's birthday who's called Ozzy I said yeah. is that named after Ozzy Osbourne and you said no but possibly yes um, yeah. how old your dog and uh, what kind of breed is it for those that are dying to listen to this podcast and get into us and bit like, let's just talk about dogs for a bit. He's
2: a, he's a, he's a boxer we've had two boxers uh, mm. so it's one we've had now he's two years old today um, and he's a little devil he doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> Anything, in absolute. Yeah, but we, we can't bring him upstairs, unfortunately. So um yeah, we can't get him mm. on the podcast, which is a shame.
1: He's still, still a puppy at that age too. He go through the, the naughty teenage years now. So you've got, you've got all that to call. My dog's five in a couple of weeks and yeah, he's, he's still crazy. Yeah.
2: I think the translation from human years is like 19 years old. So hopefully this time next year he's more obedient, but we're not we're not getting anywhere at the moment. <laughs>
1: Alright, uh, let's talk about the press conference then. It's an early one to do it on a Thursday, it's usually a Friday and obviously Villa play Monday night as well, so this feels like a, a big gap between now and Monday. Um, we'll talk about injuries in a second in our next segment, but there might be two or three injuries on the training ground between Thursday and Monday, the way Villa's looks going at the moment. Um, but um, punctures aside, how was your afternoon and what was the presser actually like? What was it like being there?
2: Yeah, it was really good. Um, I feel like we said that every time we you know, we, d- we do the uh, sort of pressure updates, there's yeah, I don't know, considering the sort of mood around know, around the fan base, I suppose, at the moment, um, it's completely different within the club. Gerard's always chirpy, really good with the media. Um, and, yeah, all, all smiley faces at, <laughs> around Bodymore. There's no, um, you know, sort of mass hysteria that we see across social media and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no a Bodymore. It's all, you know, folks, heads, all forest. Uh, and, yeah, it's um, all about three points as well. It's a must-win game. It's what sort of, Gerard was saying. I did ask him. Uh, is one of my questions towards the end. it's The sort of you know your you four matches, you, you could go four matches unbeaten, which is which will be a sort of record run for you during your tenure, um, and he kind of hit back straight away saying, but that doesn't matter. It's about the three points, you know. So mm-hmm. they're under no illusion of what they've got to do um, to sort of climb the table. So yeah, no, all, all good at Bodymore and Gerard himself, you know, as good as ever.
1: Mm-hmm. I should say by the way for those that have maybe tuned in like it's you who was at the press conference as Ash has got a couple of days off and you, you were covering for him I think he's um, playing golf with Cameron Archer's dad today and uh, afternoon tea with his mum tomorrow I'm joking before he starts to get wound up I'm joking alright um, yeah any other bits and pieces from the press conference itself like I said we'll keep injuries in this little secu- sec- separate yeah. uh, kind of tab and there's comments from Gerald about kind of knowing that we're not there yet and we've kind of come back to basics, which is, you know, stuff stuff we've talked about already. And but how does that kind of come across in the room?
2: Yeah, so sort of main questions that were being asked anyway were just about that's that balance as we've said, Gerard talking about, you know, keeping those clean sheets and sort of just, we've solved that issue, but then we have the other issue of not putting the ball in the back of the net. Mm. But you know, when you look at that game against Leeds, the amount of chances that we had, we continues at the post. Watkins has missed a few chances. Contes has missed a great chance. We had that one free kick where it slipped towards Watkins and he couldn't pull it back. So we, we really could have won the game 2-0 in the end Um if we just got that one goal. So it's a different it, mood then, isn't it? Exactly that. Um But as I said, the mood at bodymore itself is fine. I think, I think the players know that they should have won that game. And it's a, result, a results-based business. Of course, we know that. Um but internally, I, I think within the club, they're all, you know, they're all fine. They know where they are and players like Watkins, continue, they know they should take their chances and it's about doing that in the next game, I suppose. But there's only so many times where you can miss those chances consecutively and, you know, kind of get away with it. So it's it's really about sort of putting it all together now and Jared finding that balance. Hmm. Can we, you know, go to Forest, frustrate them, score the goals we need to score and get away with three points? And then you're going into, you know, a crucial winning games for the World Cup then, um, looking at a bit differently with us, you know, looking up the table rather than looking over their shoulders, I suppose.
1: Yeah, the word you'd use there is, is balance, which is just what I was about to say. There's a comment from Les here who says 12 months into Gerald's reign and, and we're going back to basics. It's like, yeah, I know that's as frustrating to me as it is to anyone else as well. And probably to, to Gerald himself, wanting to play nice football but realising I've got to kind of shut up shop before we go any further. And whilst that's annoying, you know, you look at the last three games only conceding uh, is it two goals, one goal. One goal, um, yeah. Leeds 0-0, Villa 1, Southampton 0, and then the one against Man City, which I mean, keeping Man City the 1 is, is an achievement in itself. Right. But it's six goals conceded in the three games before that, so there has been an improvement, but it's we've kind of given up all our attacking intent to get those clean sheets or to get those goal, the the conceded side down. Yeah. But as you just said, if Watkins takes a chance or that constant effort goes in, it is a two 0 win and we're going oh well, we kept a clean sheet and we scored a couple of goals. That's that's pretty good. But it, yeah. that wasn't the case and we kind of go mm, Watkins still hasn't scored. He's at, I think saw a stat that only every player in the every player that scored has only scored one goal this season. No one scored more than one yet. That's a bit of a concern that we're not we're not currently sat with kind of only Watkins on three or four goals already. <laughs>
2: Uh, I think so. And just to quickly touch on the back-to-basics thing, it's difficult because we'd say oh, we've gone back-to-basics. But by doing that, we've stopped Man City, who are probably the best team in the world. We've stopped Erland Haaland scoring more than once, which is, you know, oh, self- Yes, yeah. yes, we struggled against Southampton we just about got over the line. Uh, we should have beat Leeds. But it's, it's, it's really difficult to say. I think back-to-basics sounds negative. But if that's what's going to get us results between now and uh, the World Cup, then I'm taking that, you know, Again, players should be scoring against Leeds with 10 men and we had the chances to do it. It's not as if we played against 10 men and we couldn't make chances, because Jared said himself, to be fair, when you play against 10 men, sometimes that does make the job harder. How many times was it in the um 20 to 21 season that we played against 10 men? I think under Dean Smith and we there was like something silly, like five or six games and we couldn't and we didn't win any of them. Mm-hmm. But against Leeds, we absolutely should have. And I know that's not really a positive point, but I think you can, you know, back to basics is I don't think it should be as negative as what we're trying to make out to be, put it that way, because if we can get results by doing that, again, results based business, we're moving up the table. Personally, yeah, performances are important and we'll get there. But for now, let's just get points on the board because that's what's going to take us places at the end of the season. It's not trying to, Gerard, trying to play things that, you know, or play players that in a certain system isn't going to work as he has done. At least he's had the sort of uh, honesty to look at it and say that isn't working. Mm -hmm. I'm going to strip it back and let's try again around the World Cup, you know, when we have that sort of mini pre-season again. So I'm happy with how he's dealt with it. Obviously, it's not ideal, but at least he's dealt with it and he's not persisting in doing something that wasn't working at the start of the season. Um, So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I kind of flip between what I think of managers that do that because sometimes you'll see a manager that kind of adamantly stick to their guns and this is what we're going to do no matter what. And I kind of think, I admire that. That's your philosophy. That's what you're going to do when it clearly isn't working and hasn't worked for five games, 10 games, 20 games back into the, the calendar year, however far you want to go, you have at some point got to go, maybe there's a problem here, maybe I do have to change it. And then you do look at the last three games and one goal conceded. That is an improvement, but it's not It's not satisfying, I suppose, is probably the thing that, as a fan base, because we want to see goals, we want to see wins, and we're not seeing that just yet. If we beat Forest 6-0 on Monday night, everyone will go, ooh, okay there was something there, they found the shooting boots. There's a comment here actually from Amanda who says Watkins, cat on their profile picture, uh, Watkins needs to to take one less step and shoot quicker. needs to speed up that part of his game and I think that about a lot of our players thinking, you took two or three touches that you didn't need to take, you've dawdled on the ball and you've gone backwards. I feel like we don't play on instinct. You know, you watch someone like Harland who we've just mentioned and he'll just bring a ball, I mean he's a freak of a player but he'll bring a ball out of nowhere and score from it and you think, oh my god what, what the hell was that and watch some of our players and think you've had five, six, seven touches there and done nothing with it when you need to be quicker and play with instinct. And I, mean, I don't know whether that's something you can coach or whether you just naturally have it. But the amount of times you, you watch for it and think, oh, shoot, do something, go quicker.
2: It's confidence. that It's, it's
1: yeah. everything
2: down to. And I think once Watkins gets that goal, we will be quicker. And I totally agree with it. Was it Amanda who put that coming up then? Again, there was yeah. that point. Where it wasn't even a shot, but there was one. The well-worked set piece and he's, Watkins is down the right. I don't know if we remember it. And then he's taken one touch and then another touch. If he just puts it across the box straight away, I think it was Coutinho and Coutinho basically was an open goal. So it's again fine margins and it is confidence at the moment for him. He is quite streaky. Um, comes in like streaky form, doesn't he? He kind of scores two or three in a, sort of you know in a bunch, and then it will go like four or five without scoring. Um, but if you can get up to those fourteen goals that he scored again, obviously that seems a bit far away at the moment. But if you can get double figures, you want the likes of Coutinho to chip in, you want wendy to chip in, other players. Yeah, Ramsey, Bueno. We said in our pre-match, sorry, our pre-season, a um, uh, pre-season preview that we done. Everyone needs to chip in this season. If Watkins mm. is in ten to fourteen, and Danny Ings gets near to double figures, even then that's nowhere near enough. You really need other players to step up. So, yeah, it's it's a confidence thing. If, if Watkins doesn't take his chances, which he didn't against Leeds, concert should still take his. Coutinho should still take his. There's, you know, it's not a kind of a one man thing, but at the same time, yeah, from your goal, from from your Goal scorer, your striker, you know that's where you expect them to come from.
1: Mm, Yeah, I agree. Um, Let's go to injury update then. Obviously, the the biggest, or probably the the, yeah, the biggest talking about is Leon Bailey, somebody that we've talked about on the podcast this season. One of the pluses that he's had is that he's not been injured yet, and here we are in October with an injury. Um, Do you want to just talk through that a little bit and explain what the issue is there?
2: Yeah, so it's a little muscle behind his knee, is what Gerard said. Um, But it is only Thursday. So it's a bit of an early press conference and he's not ruled out of the game against Forest, but I think being a doubt at this stage in the week is probably enough to suggest that he's not going to be playing, especially if it's a muscle behind the knee. That sounds not necessarily serious, but...
1: That sounds nasty yeah. to me. I don't like it. stuff doing um, knees. That, that freaks me out a bit.
2: Yeah. You need knees to play forward, don't you? So it's, you, uh, do you
1: do. You do to, yeah.
2: Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think we mentioned, I think probably jinxed it in the last podcast. That was the big positive with Bailey that no one was really talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, it's a little tweak behind the knee. Uh, I'm not sure where he picked it up. Maybe it was training, because I don't remember him. I know he came off against Leeds, but I don't remember him going down or holding mm. anything. I um, don't think so. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a strain of some sort. But yeah, uh, so that's Bailey being a doubt for Forrest. Callum Chambers should be back in contention. He's been training today, half the session, and then they expect him to be training for the rest of the week. So that's a good boost. Matty Cash is back. That's the, the biggest piece of news, I suppose, for Bailey. Um mm going to the city ground probably for the first time since he signed, well, yeah, for the first time since he signed for Villa from Forest. Um, who else? Luda uh, Augustinson, he will be out for about three weeks. That was a hamstring injury that got assessed, so potentially a month out for him. And Kamara, Gerard briefly touched on him saying that he expects him to miss the World Cup, so there's almost no chance of him being back for, for Villa in time. we mm. uh, missed someone out there. We seem to have quite a lot going on. At the
1: Dean is, is the one that kind of i don't know the concern is the right word but there's a, a phrasing from gerard that I've, i haven't got it in front of me but it's something like it's a kind of weird situation that we've got to kind of assess before we can do anything definitive it was worse to that effect and i thought well, what does that mean is yeah. that like it's going to be a nine week out of nowhere or is this like a, oh we'll see again in a couple of weeks and he might be okay
2: yeah it's exactly that so i think unique situation was what he said to the um right. uh, it's written like lot he, yeah, a unique situation, one that you can't really touch upon too much because they simply don't know yet, no one knows. I believe in 10 days, they're going to have some sort of scan in about 10 days to basically see if the swelling in his heels, you know, improved. If it has, then we're looking at another sort of three weeks potentially and it'll, you know, a bit more positive news. But uh, if it hasn't gone down, then it's probably one of those that will keep him out for the World Cup. So, yeah, we're, we're, again, we're, how about uh, six games is it until the World Cup? Or maybe seven, sure. but I don't know. I think best news is he plays half of those. Worst news is he doesn't play any of them and he's back hopefully in, you know, January or late December. Mm-hmm. So I think either way, your main our main hope is that Ashley Young stays fit because well, yeah. at least we have a someone who's playing very well at left back. It's not as if we're missing um, you know, someone who's been in top form and they can't um you know, we can't play without them. So yeah, it's yeah. it's true, but potentially only missing him for this next run of games. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. But obviously, Put that with August being injured. Ashley Young is obviously what 37 38 now, is he? So I think. we're gonna to have to manage the team. I wouldn't be surprised if if we shuffle it about a little bit, try and manage these next games because yeah, we can't if we have any more injuries in those areas, I'm not too sure what we'd do.
1: Yeah, if Ashley Young gets injured, we're in a pickle, aren't we? Um, Tara Mings back at left back potentially is the only thing that's the first thing that comes to my mind,
2: yeah. Well, we've got enough centre backs, have not we? Bednarek and Chambers. Jared really impressed with Bednarek against Leeds, which is good. And oh, we know he raised Chambers too, so we have no uh, lack of centre backs. But at uh, left back, it's an issue. Right back, uh, obviously Cash had just come back, but yeah, I don't know. He Cash never seems to really go a, a season without being injured, so you know that's mm. probably one to monitor as well
1: yeah uh the phrase that villa tweeted earlier was in terms of Lucas, it's a complicated one that's going to rumble on for a few more weeks before we can assess it, so a few more weeks of rumbling before they can assess it, so I mean yeah that could be could be a while, yeah. Um, we'd normally do a little bit away from the match day and put it to eleven, but we've got Matt Davis, who is a Forest fan, and he's a, the host of our sister podcast, Garibaldi Red. So we're going to do our prediction section first and get Matt in as well, so he can come and talk to us about Nottingham Forest being absolutely rubbish. Um, Matt, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Why are Nottingham Forest bottom of the table? Why are they so bad? <laughs> <Welcome> <laughs> well to the show. A lot of players. <laughs> I think. <laughs> uh, well, well, why are they
0: so bad? They started the season quite well, didn't they? And uh, it all went to hell in that Bournemouth game when they were 2-0 up. And then they blew a three-goal lead. And since then, it seems to have just shattered any confidence. They blew another lead against Fulham. And then they were just absolutely horrific against Leicester. So the last three games have been awful. The whole season hasn't been awful. They do have four points. They're not like lost every game, but... The Leicester performance was, you know, I mean, Derby would have beaten them on, on Monday night. Was, you know, I think any football league team would have beaten them. So, yeah, that was alarming. But I've seen Villa play the last three games as well. So it wouldn't be quite as buoyant as saying why Forests so rubbish.
1: Oh <laughs> well, yeah, know. I don't know why I'm taking the mick with. Really. We we don't deserve to at all. And I looked at Forest Forest record this morning. And, you know, without a win in five, uh, that win in six I think lost the last five. 18 goals conceded in, in that time as well. And then you think, oh, you know what Villa would do, don't you? <laughs> Forest 2 0 on Monday night, it's just bound to be, isn't it? The fact they keep one of the first green sheets of the season or one of the first, score a couple of goals and they win and, and keep Cooper kind of lifts so rejuvenates his city ground up to up to fifteenth from the table or wherever it, wherever it could take you. Um is that the kind of the, the scenario that Forest fans would see it as, or is that just a very pessimistic Villa fan going, it'll be typical Villa to uh, give Forest an easy win.
0: I suppose the dynamics changed in the last 24 hours around the game. Obviously, it looked like Steve Cooper was going and they was Rafa Benitez was mooted as the man's come in. And Forest fans massively kicked off about it, which is interesting. You know, you've lost five games, but the fans still love Steve Cooper. And now it's come out that he's going to be in charge on Monday. So the atmosphere is going to be something special. I said to John about it a few weeks ago, how good it is at the city ground, but mm. it's going to be up there again on Monday night to start with. Obviously, if Forrest don't play well, it's not going to be good, but I think that gives Forrest something to cling to. And I said in our podcast yesterday, there's a clutch of teams at the bottom are with a lot of uncertainty around them, around their managers. So, Harson Hoot, or Wolves, obviously. Still Brendan Rodgers if they lose a game, Cooper. And then you throw, I think you have to throw Gerard into that bracket. If Forrest win this game then there's no way Gerrard's not under massive pressure. So, there's a, a big dynamic around this game and a few other teams at the bottom.
1: What was that... Jono, you can jump in with a question if you want in yeah. a sec. What was that Cooper situation? What what happened there for it to come out and be like, oh, he might be sacked, and all of a sudden, no, oh, no, he's staying. And I still think he's a very good coach, regardless of the start they've had and the job that he did last season. It's obviously a different league, but you look to them, kind of had like that kind of tight-knit squad of, kind of all in it together, all fighting together. I'll just look at it and go, well, have too many players. It's just going to take a while for people to bed in. Surely there was a point that you'd look at that and go, what was it in the end? 21 players? 22?
0: 22, yeah.
1: Would 12 or 13 not have been enough?
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of ambition. The owner's very ambitious. He's put a lot of his money in, not just this summer, going back the last few years and through the pandemic to bankroll the football club. He's got high expectations. And I think he saw... I think the performance levels in the last three games have been really poor and he want, he he potentially wanted to make a change. And then I do think the fan backlash against that has played a part. I think the, the club have seen that, and they've realised that if they do remove Steve Cooper, it's not a good PR move. And I think the the right thing to do, I mean, you sort of, you've heard Gerard say stay, you know, I wouldn't manage in that situation. The whole the whole of football's come out and sort of ride around Steve Cooper. Stuart Pearce has been on Talk Sport, and that's brought him a bit of time. Obviously, if they get tanked by Villa as well, that puts them in a difficult spot. But Cooper's earned the right among Forest fans. You know, this time last year, they were bottom of the championship. They could have been playing in League One if it wasn't for Steve Cooper. Now they're bottom of the Premier League and things do look not grim because they're only three points of safety or whatever it is, but they look rocky at the moment. But like I just said in the previous answer, one win changes everything for both these football clubs, depending on the result, I think.
1: Yeah. John, do you think there's some... Some similarities between Villa's promotion season and Forrest that Dean Smith had the credit in the bank that that Cooper's got. You kind of re- rode the wave of of um, the promotion kind of hype, took it into the Premier League. And obviously, the start was very different, but you know all the talk about Forest signings. They they're probably in a worse position than Villa that they had to sign. 10, 12, 13 players just to field aside, um, like Villa did as well. But Villa kind of stopped at 11 or 12, didn't they, that season? Whereas Forrest thought, no, we need, need another 10. And I don't think some of those players that you saw in towards the end of the transfer window were were necessary, still remains to be seen. But is there some comparisons between Forrest and Villa in that first season back, do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I think the whole thing is a massive comparison. The way that Forrest went up was almost the same as Villa and obviously mm. this season as well, the, the summers. The only difference... I presume it would just be in terms of owners what, you know, what's uh, Forest owners thinking compared to Villa's. I think Villa's strategy was almost, we're going to give Smith the whole lot anyway, because even if we were to go down, Smith can probably bring us back up. But it's, I don't know, I, I, think, I think it's difficult. When Villa, sorry, how Villa stayed up, and I'll always say it in that season, 19 to 20, uh, we had unbelievable luck, didn't we? Well, I mean, oh, we should have been relegated, really. Yeah, we, I could rattle off five different reasons why we should have been relegated and and they're all completely extraordinary events, obviously coronavirus and different things, the pandemic, different players coming back from injury, Nigel Pearson getting sacked at Watford, goal line technology, and, and God, I don't want to bring that one up again because, you know, there's a 40 minutes left what, of the game.
1: What, what, you mean that great save left, that great save from all we anyway? Right? Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. There's so many reasons why we, why we could have, probably should have gone down. And if it's a normal season, I, I think we're gone. Um, so yeah, I, probably nothing that Matt wants to be, uh, you know, him right now, but yeah, I think, I don't know. Yeah it's difficult. I think there's definitely comparisons in terms of club as well and statues, It's exactly the same. Um, mm. But just in terms of this game, Gerard said in his conference as well, just because we mentioned it just then about uh, managers being under pressure. He did reference that as well. He said there's four or five of us that are all under pressure at the moment, some more than others.
1: All the um, Midlands clubs basically.
2: Pretty much, yeah. So but he kind of said that was almost, that was what Villa were going to use to go to Forest and get a result because you know, cause they know that, uh, sorry, Villa players and you know, Villa herself knows that there's the pressure on the Forest to pick up results as much as it is for us. Mm. But they're in a predicament, aren't they? Villa knows that if they can pick up a result, then sort of move changes. Just say we have enough and we're not supposed to be in a relegation fight this season, are we? So, yeah, that's kind of the... We're trying to approach it without pressure, knowing it's on us. But Forest, it's all there. You know, as Matt says, Steve Cooper is probably, probably not lucky to survive the week. But at the start of the week, it was looking that way, wasn't it? So. Mm. What well, Matt? Can I talk about strengths and weaknesses for Forest? How uh, how how would Villa win the game, but also <laughs> where, where or how should we be worried? You know, I, I'm surprised about maybe I don't know uh, Brennan Johnson, Lingard, Gibbs White. It seems there's different mixes. Dennis on the bench. I he, the, Yeah,
1: well, Lingard's not scored or assisted yet, has he? So again, put that in for Monday night.
2: Yeah, I
0: suppose the problem is you don't know who's going to play for Forest. I think yeah. the only nails on player now, it was Nico Williams as well, but Dean Henderson's probably the only nails on play. I think Awani's going to start up front because he's the only out-and-out number nine they have. Even against Leicester, they did create chances. you missed two one-on-ones. He hit the post and Danny Ward's had one save. Gibbs White put him through. Gibbs White's probably still the threat and Brennan Johnson's got a lot of pace. just depends how they go about it. I think if they get Brennan Johnson out wide right on your left back, which I assume is me young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brennan Johnson's rapid. And I think if they can get at him in that channel, that gives Forrest a, a, a decent opportunity. I don't think Lingard will play. He's, not, he's just not played well. And then weaknesses. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Brendier or Coutinho. I mean, I keep waiting for Coutinho to show up. I had him in my fantasy league team. <laughs> he did well for a couple of games and then nothing happened. But if he plays, if, I assume Gerald's watched James Madison absolutely rip Forrest apart coming in from the right, taking up that pocket of space. If Forest don't change their tactics and get an extra man in midfield, then there's so many holes in that that gap between our back three or back four and our holding midfielder that it feels tailor-made for Coutinho or Brendia to do some damage. And then the mm. question is, can they do it? Can Watkins finish having what, you know, I watched the Leeds game and he probably should have scored. There's, there's, Villa are going to get chances in the game. I absolutely guarantee it. The question is, will they take them? Will Dean Henderson have one of those games? And I think Forrest will have chances as well. It yeah, should I agree. be a battle between two teams who are massively out of form. I think. Well, Villa aren't massively out of form, that's not fair. One team is massively out of form and one team who's searching to find their form, I think.
1: Our defenders are in form, so you might get chances, but I think our defending has been good in the last couple of games. It's just about whether Villa take them. Um, <laughs> There's a comment from Andy, says, mate, have you seen the Villa play this year? To, to you, Matt. Yeah, I've yeah, seen we're... the last three
0: games, yeah.
1: <laughs> the the, the game, game, looked
0: really good love. and I thought they were playing well. The Leeds game, I don't think they were awful. I watched you, John, say um, they weren't as bad as people thought. I think they missed a lot of chances. Not yes. not Gill Edge, m- mega chances, but they missed enough chances to win the game. And the Southampton game, Christ, that was that was <laughs> boring, really. Sorry. I know you won the game, and I can't take the mickey as a Forest fan right now. You have to do what you have to do to win, but it that wasn't my cup of tea necessarily, but yeah.
1: It wasn't one for the neutrals, that's for sure. Um, I've got two questions left for you, Matt. I don't know if you've got anything else, John. Um, Villa, we are just talking about the comparisons between Villa's promotion season and Forest this year. Obviously, Villa went on to survive that year on the final day in 17th with 34 points, I think, or 35 points. Would you take that now if you're offered it?
0: Oh, yeah. As we sit here right now, then I'd probably have to say Forest are probably going to go down, aren't they? So, yeah, I still think they can turn it around, but... Let's be realistic and say it's not looking great so far. Yeah, and I think something like 34 or 35 points might be enough this season. I'm not, I'm not sure. The big difference is like there's 15 games in the first part of the season, then there's a World Cup, and then there's 23 more games. And Forrest aren't going to have a huge amount of players to go to a World Cup. They're only going to have seven or eight. So Cooper or the manager is going to have a month to work with his players. Yeah. So true. I do think it's it's just such a weird season. Same for Villa, really, as well. There's gonna be players fighting to get in the World Cup team who are gonna be going all out. And there might be one or two players who are nailed on to be in the World Cup team for their countries who might pull out of that fifty fifty in the final game, and it's gonna be some weird results and weird things happening. And I think it's just a, a unique season.
1: Hmm. Would you take seventeenth for Villa John? <laughs>
2: That's been a few weeks.
1: good cop-out answer Um, right predictions then for the match itself we'll do our predicted 11 stuff afterwards and Matt you can leave after this bit Um, we'll start with you Matt as soon as you're the guest what's your score prediction for Monday night
0: I'd take a draw if if I was Forrest and have something to build on Um, I mean the realist says Villa will win 2-0 but um, the heart kind of says Forrest can nick a a two-one. I mean, I've sat on the fence there, haven't I? <laughs>
1: uh, Did you just give us every possible outcome there with the draw? Yeah, yeah
0: I'll say two-one Villa.
1: <laughs> okay, John, yourself?
2: Uh, <laughs> I think two-all. I think I think Matt was right oh, earlier. Wow. There's gonna be plenty of chances, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd love to think that we can win, and obviously we can, but I'm not sure. I, I think it'll be a very open game, so I'll say two-all.
1: Oh, I'm going to go against the grain a little bit then. And you
0: do, have to going to win, don't you, know?
1: Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go super <laughs> positive the other way. This is against everything that Villa have done so far. That's why it's against the grain. I think it'll be a, a rowdy atmosphere. So if we can score early and put the pressure on Quartin down a little bit, I've gone for 3-0 Villa. I don't know 3-0. why. 3-0? Oh, I shouldn't <laughs> love that, should I think what's Monday night. Balls, but that's all I'm thinking. Just get out of them early, maybe score early. And um, yeah, Villa 3-0, just to just be different and be positive for a change. Um, Matt, thank you very much for coming on the podcast and, and sharing your thoughts. We may be do this again next week, Tuesday or Wednesday, and you can uh, do the debrief with us if you fancy it. it depends on how the result gone to be. Depending podcast? how the game goes, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to flash up our next screen so you can jump off the call. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for your time. No right. worries. Predicted eleven, then John. Um, I've not been able to have to, uh, have the time to do a graphic or anything, so we'll just talk through these. Um, yeah, you just give me your eleven as a whole first, and then I'll uh, I'll I'll chip them in with mine.
2: Okay, so Martinez, Contes, and Mings as a partnership. Uh, Ashley Young, left back. Matt Cash is fit, so uh, right back uh, holding. Douglas Louise, John McGinn, and Jacob Ramsey. And at the top of the pitch, I'm still starting Ollie Watkins. With Buendir and Coutinho, I think Matt was Matt made a really good point there about Madison. Those players that can kind of just mm. linger between the lines, and I think want to have both of them. I don't think it's a game that we're going to need like electric pace, and obviously Bailey's probably not going to be fit anyway. Mm. But I think you know what I mean. If we can keep the ball and just work incisions and work players, you know, move move the ball quickly. Um, yeah, I think I think that would be the sort of uh, key. It, the Leicester game was. Madison ran it and yeah that's because Madison's a great player but he, the amount of space that he was given I don't think they'll, they'll be another Premier League team that will do that for Leicester so yeah
1: Well bizarrely we've not conferred on this I've not done any graphic prep like I have said I would pick the exact same team I didn't think you'd go Buendia and Coutinho I was going to come in but oh I'll play them both but you stole <laughs> that point for me anyway uh, I saw a stat again it's not in front of me but there's something about Villa like the third highest side for taking shots from distance or something i don't know what it was like most of our shots are from Thirty yards away, whatever the stat was, and I just thought about Madison scoring a couple of goals from outside the box on Monday. and I thought, oh, you know, well, if we're already shooting from distance anyway, maybe this is another opportunity for us to and you know, Coutinho to roll for one in from outside the area or something like that. Yeah. Um, I've I've gone with no now, so I've got to be super positive for the rest of it and, and pick these things that oh yeah, we're going to score from thirty yards or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Brenda and Coutinho kind of pulling the strings between them, a bit of pace and a bit of energy from Brenda. Hopefully, a bit of magic boot, uh, magic in his feet for for um, Coutinho. And Watkins to to get off the mark and, and score one or two of the chances that like Matt just said we're going to get a decent amount of chances in this game. I expect we've got to finish a couple of them, haven't we?
2: Yeah, I mean if we don't, then it's almost hard to blame anyone else but the forwards, isn't it? Because that's then that's then two games against two. Especially if uh, the
1: defenders keep a clean sheet again.
2: Yeah, 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 literally. So yeah. It, Matt's basically told us that we're going to get loads of chances. So that's, I don't know, that's filled me with a bit of optimism because I know we're going to be doing something. Um, but again, against Leeds, we struggled, didn't we? So we'll see. But I don't think we can go two games with missing, like how many chances we have, four or five against Leeds. Uh, do that again and it'll be like 10. Surely we get one goal at least. So, mm. yeah.
1: Oh, we'll get three, I'll just say, it. 3 now. done. Must win is a phrase we've used a couple of times. Is Monday night a must win?
2: Yeah. Yeah, like absolute must win. If it's anything but a win, then but there's again, there's the questions need to be asked. Gerard said it himself. It's not often that he will say that a game is a must win, or he didn't say must win, but a game is alluded that we have to win and take three points from without saying must win. Um, mm. You know, it's not often that you'll get football managers saying that, especially in away games. But when they're saying it for this one, there's obviously many reasons why because we're a bit under pressure and Cooper should probably be sacked and Forrest at the bottom of the league. They've lost the last five. If we're not going there, to win or do win, um, yeah, that's a really poor result. We've already lost to Bournemouth away from home. We can't beat Leeds with ten men. You know this, these results will stack up at the end of the season. So it's absolutely a must win.
1: Mm, I'd be seriously concerned for my job if I was the Aston manager that lost to bottom of the, start, the bottom of the league Forest on Monday night when I've I've just at the start not scoring for six games and not conceding eighteen goals in five games, whatever, and you know, not not being great. All season basically, so they can go there and lose, and then add that to the Bournemouth defeat as well. And you've lost to two sides away from home. But already in the bottom three. Both probably might will go down. Yeah, I'd be concerned if if that if that does end in defeat. Um, kind of the flip side of that question then: if it's a must-win, is it like any win is good enough, or would like a scrappy one-nil that we don't deserve win? Is does that would that still raise concerns? Because yes, it's three points, but if you win one 0 I think oh, we probably should have lost that. Is that still okay, or would that still be concerning?
2: I mean, I think I've said before, like, you, from now on, I mean, yes, obviously, concerning if we don't go there and sort of play them off the park, uh, with all due respect. But in the next six or seven games before that World Cup break, where it's basically a mini pre season, I'm happy just to take points. Mm. Like, genuinely, I'd, however we do it, I just want to win the games because we're not going to see a, a free flow in Villa at the moment. It's just not going to happen, whether we like it or not. And yes, again, that isn't ideal, and Gerard should be criticised for that. Come the World Cup, that's when he will try and implement that style again or work with Critchley on a new method. But up until then, we are back to basics. But if that's going to get us results, that's what gets us results. If we're winning away from home, uh, again, as we said, a rock's atmosphere at at the city ground, no matter how bad they are, that's a big three points that we have to get, granted. But then you've got games against like Chelsea, Fulham away will be tough. Uh, United, Brighton, Newcastle. There's no easy game in the Premier League, but we haven't necessarily got a, a perfect run after these fixtures do. We? We've had Southampton, Leeds, and Forest, or we will do. And we've only won one of those so far. So, yeah, we mm. have to.
1: See score predictions coming in. Phil, uh, f- uh, not Phil, Paul Brains says 2 2. If we don't win, Gerald will be toast. Steve says 5 all again. Remember that? 5 all? That was mad. Uh, Daryl, 2 2, another draw, and three draws in a row there. Andy, 0 0. Uh, Fred blogs, 3-0. Yes, Fred. Cameron Archer returns from Exile, scores a hat trick. I mean, imagine the scenes. Um, and John Kearney, Keaney, nil-1, Forrest. Cannot see Forrest losing at home to Villa. Um 0-1 no forest can't see Forest. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, right, the last thing, away from match days, has been a bit all over the place in a bit of a random order, but got kind of a little bit of a quiz question for you, I suppose, to end with here. I saw uh, some stats on social media the other day of kind of record so far. And it's not quite a full season. It's thirty-five games now in, in the Premier League. I think these were yeah. um, in charge Aston almost a year in charge, almost a full season. I've kind of didn't want to wait for it to be a full season, thirty-eight games, because I talk right now, and also if, I mean, if it goes wrong on Monday night, you might not make it to thirty-eight games in the first place. But thirty-five is you know it's enough. So I've compared Gerard's thirty-five games so far against Dean Smith's final thirty-five games. So about that that bad calendar year, didn't we twenty twenty-one? Yeah, 2021, and a few wins here and there. So I just want to guess off the top of your head what the two records look like. Now, you don't need to give me specific numbers of win, draw, and loss, but kind of how many points do you think each manager got for their first 35 games for Gerard and last 35 for Dean Smith?
2: Jesus. To be fair, it'd probably be easy to say how many wins or draws. Uh, For Dean Smith, the last 35, was it like six wins, I'd say? And then for Gerard, I'd say five wins.
1: Oh, you you've gone way down. You've really? Really underestimated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless I've done the math, math math the math wrong.
2: In the last oh, sorry, the whole of Gerard's Gerard's the whole the whole, of
1: gerard's whole of Gerard's era so, so far, which is thirty five games.
2: Part of the year, yeah. My uh, bad. versus
1: Dean Smith's the last thirty five games.
2: Yeah. Okay. So uh, gerard's so 35. five
1: wins for thirty five <laughs> games. Come on, we're bad, but not that bad.
2: Uh, three. Ooh. Uh 12 wins for Gerard.
1: 12 wins for Gerard, yeah, that's bang on.
2: Okay. That's mm-hmm. that's a good prediction. And then I'd say uh 13 for Dino. The other way, 11 for Dino.
1: So points totals is 43 points for Gerard out of 35 games. And Dean Smith's last 35 games was 39 points. Which surprised me yeah. a little bit as I was going through it. It's oh, the I only just- reason I brought it up. Because as much as like we had some bad moments under Dean Smith. We also had some good moments of beating Arsenal away and that Liverpool yeah. result and stuff like that in his in his final kind be. of year or so. Yeah. Um, whereas the mood around the club at the, at the moment just feels different with Gerald. But if you actually look at the records, it's, it's all a bit skewed, really, isn't it? It's the last thirty five doesn't really mean anything. But the points though of the Gerald is actually up on the end of Dean Smith's era. So as much as it's not you know continuous improvement and we've really gone up a level. It's four points better off, which mm. is nowhere near what we'd want to be. <laughs> yeah. Stick that on a poster. Um, yeah. But it is it is better than the, the end of the, the Dean Smith era, which, which yeah, it surprised me a little bit. I don't know what points I'm making now, what, what kind oh, no, of I gender don't... I'm trying to get across, but I it surprised is, me that you've got so many.
2: Yeah, I think we all know from now on, I think we're, we're no one's stupid, Gerrard is under pressure if he doesn't get results up until the World Cup for a number of reasons. That record that you've said there, Will look a whole lot worse if we don't pick up those results because then you're looking at win percentages and you know something's mm-hmm. going to come right down. So the next six games are crucial. We have to just win games, and then at the World Cup, that's when he starts to bring in his identity and what with critically, as I say, to, to sort of work on new methods. If that doesn't happen, I think we know what happens because it's just it's, it's imperative that between now and between now and then, that's when we get results. I think it was about this time in the season where Smith got sacked. How many games was it? Ten. Uh, Ten, I think. It was I all that. Yeah, so we're moving into that territory now where that's sort of like a, a fair number of games in the season for you to judge, okay, how have we actually started? Because it's mm-hmm. a fair uh, sample size in terms of teams. Um, but there's no sort of rash decisions that are going to be made. He's going to get until those, those World Cup... So the next couple of games or six games, how many of it is, those are the games that he's going to get to get results. And then from then on, we'll go from there. But I, mean, I think you're totally right to... So compare and contrast the two because you say it's about um, progressively uh, improving and if we don't go those wins in the next few games we're not going to be um, sort of improving because there's again that losing percentage and the win percentage will just be doing that which is not what we need mm-hmm. um, yeah
1: it's more just about the mood and the feeling is the reason I brought it up because the, the end of the Dean Smith era obviously it was five feet in a row and it was it, you know, there was Loads of Dean Smith out stuff, and the world people that were were fed up with it all. But overall, it felt like the end of the era. That twenty twenty one didn't feel as downbeat in the fan base as it does in the first eight games of this season. That's how I see it, anyway.
2: Didn't, but I also think as well. I probably go to it a lot, but the Grealish stuff probably took sort of limelight yeah. away a little bit. Kind of let let that off, you know, ever so slightly in terms of we know this is going to be tough after Grealish. So we kind mm-hmm. of gave Smith that sort of um, way out. But at the same time, Smith, being, how many years was Smith? Uh, three years was it at Villa? So it was always going to be a thing of it will come to an end. And when it does, we'll go to the next manager. And then hopefully that will be a step above. So Mm. what the sort of mood is about is because we haven't done that. And if anything, we're slowly going backwards unless we can, you know, rectify that in the next few weeks or months. Um, So I think that's what it is. It's a fear of going backwards or not progressing Mm. under Smith. It was like, oh, we've lost five. But then the new manager wins two in a row, as Gerard did. Then it's kind of like, oh, well, we're okay because we've got good players. But... Over the last 12 year, uh, months, sorry. There's no uh, progression at all. But Smith, we did have that. So we've mm-hmm. been doing it. Sorry, how do we do it th- that way? And then all of a sudden, it's... It <laughs> hasn't it, so...
1: Just the records in full. It's twelve wins for Gerard, seven draws, and sixteen defeats. That's forty-three points. And Smith was one eleven, drawn six, lost eighteen, thirty-nine points. So really, you'd want to have maybe lost three or four less, drawn a couple, won a couple for Gerard, and if that points total was kind of fifty-two versus thirty-nine. You go, okay, well that has that has been a, an improvement. And like I said, thirty-five games isn't quite a full season. But if you were saying, well, fifty-two, fifty-five points as an average over a season, you go, well, that's probably going to get you. Ninth, 8th, something like that. Um, But yeah, somebody here says, Patrick, three points for circa 120 mil. It's not exactly the improvement we all wanted, was it? But that's probably a conversation for for another day. Um, John, thank you very much for joining me, and thanks to Matt, who appeared uh, briefly during this episode as well. Um, We're back tomorrow with the fan phone-in show, which um, I was a little bit concerned that people weren't sending me enough stuff the other day when we spoke about it, and since my phone's gone mental, I've got about 30 people who've sent me ranging from a 20-second question to like a three-and-a-half-minute analysis of what they think is going wrong. So I'll try and include everyone if I can uh, and how much of them as, as I can as well. I think me and Matt Kendrick are going to sit through them all tomorrow and react to them and answer any questions that you've sent over Then it's Monday Night Football, so we'll do a post-match show on on Monday night, I believe, or early Tuesday morning. So that's our content schedule for the next couple of days. Um, John, thank you very much for your time. Thanks everyone for watching along live, and uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa.